Alistair Cahoon, do you know that he was a footballer? No. Played right back for Cowden Beath. Is it in the in, in Glasgow? Yeah. Go mm. on, Cowden Beath. I don't know where. It's somewhere in Scotland. Yeah, but, Scotland. Uh, uh, there were a lot of descriptions for him. No, mm. he's, a, he's <laughs> a. I think he's still alive. Is he? I think he is. I enjoyed I Alistair. Yeah, he's the kind of chap you wanted to go to a party with. Yeah. Well, he was also, <laughs> as a young journalist, the kind of guy that you wanted to go to lunch with. <laughs> yes. <laughs> David, uh, you've just mentioned, again, look at the numbers. Mm. Look at the balance sheets. But you, more than anybody else, knows that those numbers, mm. if you can't trust them anymore, mm. what do you look at? If you can't trust them anymore? Well, you can't. Uh, Dwayne... Wayne Duvenage was telling yeah. us yesterday, was showing us the, the SOEs. We're playing oh, the same oh, game. Oh, yes. Same game that Steinhoff was playing. Mm. Inflating yep. assets, borrowing money from the banks. Somewhere, something's real broken. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it takes experience um, uh, to understand accounts. Um, I think when I look at the balance, when I look at the, uh, the numbers, I'm talking about including the narrative, including... That's why I like to go through to the segmental analysis. And I like to look at where they are making money. And that's, you know, Pitt said tie it all up. And you've got to try and tie it up. Again, I come to, don't be quick to get into an investment. It doesn't matter if you wait two, three years before you do something. Learn about the company. Understand the company. Measure what they're saying. Measure what, uh, what businesses say or what management says against what actually happens. And here we come. He mentioned Steinhoff. I have to say, I loved Marcus when we were in the early days. Hey, well, Remember that story? He we, was... We didn't know what Steinhoff was, David yeah. and I. We spoke on the radio <laughs> one night, remember? Yeah. And we said, no, no, we don't understand this. He invited us to one. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. We went and met with him, met with his team. And boy, he... He was a he was a great sociopath. He had us around his little fingers Absolutely. in mm. what half an hour. Him, Marcus, Brett Kebble, same thing. Brett Kebble, engaging, entertaining, a raconteur, beautiful piano player, wonderful man to be. Inviting for lunch, you laughed, you know, but uh, be careful. <laughs> there was, a, and I think Marcus was like that as well. And the same thing. I used to try and understand Marcus's accounts because I'd try and measure the comparatives against. I said, you know, these comparatives were not there last year. The comparat And you start to see signs like this, uh, too hard, <laughs> too difficult, move on. And, uh, but he spun a good story. He was great, you know, and he had this very but accent. But mm. your other good one was Gary Porritt. Yes. Remember, yeah, he no. came into the studio. Gary Porritt is a guy who was, <laughs> well, he, 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 went, he was actually the head boy of Maritzburg College, yeah. which, of course, Gary, our Gary, would be very happy to hear. Um, but <laughs> it's, he, he ended up in jail for a few years yeah. after a while. But he came into the studio once when Dave and I were there, and David said to him, no, Gary, you're a mm. wizard. You recall yeah, that? Yeah, he was a top 40 company on the JSE. <laughs> this is a wizard, yeah. He's the Houdini, I think. <laughs> where do you get where this? Do you get the, how do you make problem? this kind of money? Yeah. Because there was no cash flow. There was no cash, nothing. So th and that really mm. illustrates mm. what you were yeah. saying. Mm. Cash, the cash statement. You have to look. I, that's why I say I like to look at the bank statements and the cash book and that because that tells you everything. And um, I'm very, you know, for me, that never lies. Dave, you, s you spoke about commodities. Yes. You didn't speak about the purpose that you were supposed to speak about here, which was the big trend of the growth yes, stocks, yes. Of, of tech stocks. Yes, that's what I'm coming to. Okay. 
<laughs> so the commodity, when I looked at the commodity, I've been very bullish on where we're going in the next decade. Um, it's, it's not only tech. I think if you, what I think is that I don't think we can go back to where we were in the last few years. I think what the pandemic exposed was massive issues in the health system, in public health. They can't allow this to happen. And just have a look at the supply chain issues. They couldn't get the ships or boats or whatever you call them, which is a ship and which is a boat, whichever one, you couldn't get them unloading in, the, in harbors, in certainly on the east, west coast of, of, of America and so on. They can't allow that to happen. We saw what happened. So I think we're going into a lot of massive infrastructure expenditure, uh, which is filtering through to commodities. We're also going into um, you know, massive health issues. You, you can't have the public health system fail like it did. There was no cooperation between cities, towns, cities, countries, whatever it is. We were caught short of skills. We were caught short of beds, uh, ventilators, equipment, and so on. Can't happen again. Politically, it can't happen. So the other one is digitization, which is happening in a massive world. I think uh, Stafford mentioned it this morning of how what the massive growth in, in, in the use of computers and digitization and all the, all the applications during, this, during lockdown, the implications that have. So um, we couldn't be here without the cloud, but only a, trans only a fraction of companies have actually transformed onto the cloud. It's going to continue for a long time. So all these themes are coming through. The electric cars. I, I'm, I'm with Pitt on commodities. So I, the fact that we're going into electric cars, you know, we're going into renewable energy, doesn't mean you can ignore <laughs> the traditional ones, you know, which is going to cost us. I'm, I, I agree on that section. But, but you can't ignore the, the move into electric cars. Now, all of these, uh, together with renewables, you know, together with all these themes, is going to create... I think a massive amount of business investment, and which will th so those are the big themes that are going to come through uh, electric cars. And you know the beauty about electric cars is it was it was generated not by the companies. The Volkswagen didn't say we're going to do an electric car. The consumers said we want an electric car, and that triggered this massive transformation that we are seeing now. They wanted to do the right kind of thing. So I think all of these are going to be big things. And that, that brings us down into the chips. Now, there's one thing that, that uh, the Dutch are not known for the exuberance. You know, the Dutch don't, ex they haven't got a, I hope I'm not insulting anybody here. I haven't, it's not unusual, but uh, <laughs> uh, the Dutch are not known for outbursts of exuberance or humor, etc. But there's a chap, Peter Venink who is the CEO of a company called ASML, which make the machines that make the chips. Now, when he gets up in front of an audience, which is a little bigger than this one, and he tells the world that uh, chip production will double by the end of this decade, and you work that out, yes, it's only 11%, but he's being conservative. So when he tells you, listen, this is what we, we're seeing, and it means that we're going to have to build the machines for this, you must know that a lot of chips are going to be sold in the next decade. And you can see it in America at the moment with a number of factories that are going up and so on. So all of these are converging to what I think is a very exciting uh, decade ahead in investments in that.
Give me your bundle. We've heard pits. I, you know, strangely enough, I'm, I'm, I like to diversify. So I do go into, uh, <laughs> maybe not, uh, it might not be Pitt's definition of value stocks, but I do, you know, I go for 15 to 20. I always, when a client comes to me, I say, I want to buy you the best 20, 25 stocks in the world. That's arrogant, you know, that I know which are the best 20, 25. But I mean, that's my selling point. So, and also, I'd, I like, you know. That's your <laughs> selling point. <laughs> you know what I say? I'm going to buy you good, good 20, 20 good stocks. And they're global. I'm never influenced by geography. What I think for the first time in a long time, I would start to include some commodity stocks, you know, in that bundle. But I mean, generally, I look... I look at businesses, and I, l I still like big tech. And the reason I like some of the big techs, between, I hope I get these right now, Apple, Amazon, Meta, uh, who am I missing out? The, uh, Microsoft, and one more. Netflix? Netflix. No, no, not Netflix. I like Netflix. No. <laughs> okay. You haven't watched Who have I left out the, the, of the top five? But, but you know which ones I'm talking about. They invested last year $150 billion in research and development. So I'm saying, if they're investing that money, that's got to create something. A mate. Competitive advantage. E absolutely. Mm. Buffett's mates. And mm. not only that, why do I love it? They're creating jobs for engineers, for you know, all the people that Stafford spoke about that we don't understand, you know, all those people who were looking at the phone, you see that picture, that weren't looking up, they're all working for those kind of companies. And that. So he's creating an enormous amount. Those companies are creating enormous amounts of investment, which eventually, if you look at the correlation between research and development and investment and productivity, there is a very tight correlation. So I look at that, 150 billion in the, that was last year. That does, this year they come again with another 150 billion. So you've got to know that something's going to come out of it. But we see it. We see it mm. around us. We see it in our everyday life. And I think that, that Roland, is, is the, the purpose of the shift portfolio and the business portfolio is to the things that affect me personally mm. in my business. And I can see how we can scale up by using technology. And what are the companies that mm. create it? A Cloudflare. Mm. 90% of the internet security in the world is done by Cloudflare. And yet, before we put it in the portfolio, no one in this room would have known who Cloudflare was. It's that kind of thing. It's exactly. the ASML that you ASML. talk about. ASML. Who make mm. the machines for the chips. We yep. should put that in our portfolio mm. as well. Uh, okay, David is open and available for questions. So please put your hand up and we'll start taking them. Please don't all rush at once. They all ask pit. They're out of questions now. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, is that Adi? Adi, you got the first one. Go David. No, sorry, yeah, let's, let's let Adi. He hasn't had a chance. Uh, hi, David. Uh, Adi from Standard Bank, a web trader and shift. So I'm quite, uh, this talk's been quite an interesting one. Um, you said that you could wait two to three years um, you know, don't rush into an investment. And I agree, but also, don't you feel like in an instance like a Capitec, you you wait too long and, and, the, and it goes to, a, goes to a level... What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it goes to a level that can be quite, quite you know, exponential and, and that, that growth is so exponential. And it makes me wonder, like, if you're really going to go into a long-term game, which Mr. Warren Buffett says, 
you you don't dive with derivatives, you, you're patient and stuff. So wouldn't an, uh, a basket or an ETF or just buying a whole lot that tracks these stocks, these top mm -hmm. five tech work? You know, I, I, th I, th I think, Alec, you know, the beauty, what I love about investment is doing your own research and learning about companies yourself. You go into an ETF, you buy 150 shares in an ETF, you don't even know them. What's number 150? <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> but just on Capitech, hold on a sec, when did Capitech start? 21 years ago. Yeah, uh, yeah so. <laughs> 21 years. And when has it risen? When did it go up? It's only the last decade or so. So I'm saying we watched that, and, and it's a big mistake I made. And you know why I made a mistake? Because people at Standard Bank said, nah, this is not going to last, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I> remember, <laughs> am I not wrong? I remember, and in fact, he's sorry, with it's Standard his first Bank, round. He's with I, Standard Bank. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying, I went to a first round meeting. Where I was on the bullish case of Capitec. And we had another crowd on the bearish case, and they had gone in. And, and you remember that time when they were attacking Capitec as well? And, and all about their the loan book and, you know. Oh. Well, we wrote, a, I remember mm. in the early, 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 early days of, of BizNews, mm. I wrote a piece that one of the short sellers had given, not yes. wrote, published a piece. Yeah. And the guys from Capitec, Rian Stassen, but I, I think this, this is actually it's very instructive of the business. He phoned me, he said, Please come to Cape Town. I need to talk to you. Mm. So I said, oh, you know, whatever. All right. Okay. So I did. I arrived there uh, on the day that they arranged. It was his last day in office. Mm. His last day mm. in mm. office. Mm. He made the time for me, spent the day with me, taking me around Capitec, showing me around what they were doing, introducing me to Gheri, mm. who was going to Gheri Fari, who's going to be at the next conference, by the way, who replaced him, showing me his office. Mm. Now, I've been into a lot of offices in banks. I had an office in a bank. Uh, uh, Rian Stassen's office was about a quarter of the size of my old office. Mm. Uh, what he had, the only furniture he had there was a, was a cardboard cutout of stick from uh, uh, what's <laughs> it, the, the driving program. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's him. That's the <laughs> way they operated. And suddenly, my eyes were wide open. This is a very different yeah. bank to the one before. And I think... I think the, the point that David makes there, the point that, that Pitt was making earlier, is if you can get in and go and see and go and mm. understand mm. the businesses and the, the, the psyche, the culture of the businesses, it makes all the difference mm. in the world. Absolutely. You can't, you've got to do the hard work. The youngsters today, they sit on their tokuses in front of a screen and they, they look at charts and they go and upload spreadsheets, etc. They don't want to do the hard work. You know, they want to sit, you saw that pic, I love that picture of them just sitting there, that's what they do. They don't want to look you in the eye and actually talk to you and talk to the CEO. I think there's only one, one person who's got a smaller office than Rian Stassen, and that was Terry Moorman. I think Terry Moorman still sits on a tea box. <laughs> no, no, I spent time in Terry Moorman's <laughs> office. He's got a couch. <laughs> Stassen didn't have a couch. Yeah. Terry from Caxton. Yeah. Also, mm. David, Ian Forbes, just um, with your investment philosophy, would you in any way have limitations to P.E. ratios? So, for example, you know, those tech stocks you were talking about are significant numbers. Um, would you in any way say, you know, 40 times P.E. for, for example, clicks and discam is too much? Would you 
use the PE yeah. ratio as a, a measure of yes or no? Uh, you know, you've got to buy at the right price. You know, I, you can't, of course, you know, forecasting where growth's going to be is very, very difficult. Um, I, I, I wish I could articulate it in a way that would help you as well, but I think it comes through experience. You know, if we applied a lot of the techniques um, that people tell us to be aware of, or a lot of the ratio, we would never have bought Amazon, we wouldn't have bought any other tech stocks, we wouldn't have bought Capitech, we wouldn't have bought any of these. My best example, and one of the great success stories of the JSE is a company called Richemont. Not over the last few years, or et cetera, just since it was unbundled from Remgro. And as long as I have been on the JSE, everybody has told me, Richmond, too expensive. Richmond, too expensive. Go to any analyst today. Go anywhere. You can phone up any. I'll give you a whole book of people. And you can phone them up and say, what do you think of Richmond? Nah, too expensive. <laughs> Next question. In the back. David, uh, I didn't understand completely which company you were referring to um, that's into computer chips. Have you got an opinion on, on Zeiss MediaTek, who are manufacturing machines uh, that pr uh, produce chips with uh, uh, lithography technology, yep. which is uh, the next step to make chips smaller? This is the same kind of company. Oh, did you it's refer to it's that from one? Holland? Yes. It, I think are they in Eintracht or Eindhoven? Eindhoven, one of them. No, a uh, no his one is A. -S Sorry to uh, interrupt you. Uh, you referred to AMD chips, but Zeiss Media no, Tech. No, no, no. He was referring to a company called ASML. Yeah, no, I'm not referring. In the, in the uh, Amsterdam stock. On the Amsterdam and you're stock talking stock about Zeiss. I, I, I understand which one you're talking about now. Zeiss, Z-E-I-S-S, Media Tech. And they are somewhere in Germany. Yes. It's, it's a similar, I, I don't know Zeiss that well, but it's a similar type of business. Mm -hmm. But ASML is almost a monopoly, and their technology perhaps stands ahead of, of, of others. So, you know, that gives them this, as Alex said, or as Buffett would say, a massive moat. They've got that competitive advantage of being ahead of the technology and, uh, you know, of, of, of being the kind of machine that, that people have, particularly now. So it's worth looking at. I'm looking for hands. That's it. There we go, in the front. Hey, Clive, you're going to lose uh, no, no, your no. golf swing by running so much, man. How much, how much value do you put the geopolitical situation at the moment? It's sentiment. You know, it's... it's uh, look, it's gained... Oh. It will change things. I mean, if you think of how it's going, this is it's not a skirmish, because what this is going to do, and I think as I mentioned earlier, manufacturers are going to be very weary of going into Russia or China or relying on those for anything. So you're going to find a lot coming back home. And this, this we still got to work through. You know, this to me is, is one of the big changes that we're going to see coming out of this. I think there are going to be a lot of things. Defense spending is going to go up. Germany putting it up already. And I think more and more companies are going to, or more countries are going to be sensitive about defense. So I think this could be 
a theme-changing uh, situation. Um, we've got to do more work on it and that, but and see how it unfolds. But I think there are going to be a lot of a lot of issues out of this. You know, do you want to really rely on Russia for your gas or energy sources? No. And I think we've seen the same thing with China as well on the tech side. You know, people are very sensitive about that. So um, I think you've got to be very careful about where you go and, and what kind of country you go into. I think we're going to avoid dictators or authoritarian leaderships and that. It's going to, I think, in a way, be a negative for investment there. But you can already see that mm. with the devaluation of NOSPATH drug process. Mm. And with the uh, new way that President Xi, who's now the president for life in China, is approaching business. In the past, business were given win from behind. Now they're given win from the front. And many asset Point managers down. have been warning against this. Uh, if, you, if you listen to uh, my colleague, Rowan, uh, uh, Justin Rowe Roberts, did a really good interview um, with Sean Pesh on this subject, mm. and he unpacked it extremely well. Uh, as, as far as the geopolitical thing, what, what I got out of Stafford's talk this morning mm. is if, if we're not looking at cryptocurrency with a different set of eyes now, uh, then, then I don't think we ever will. Because I, I like the point he made about Putin being the chief marketing officer <laughs> for a, a, a store of value that, that even ordinary people, not just gangsters, need. And there was, again, a harrowing account you know Ronnie Aptika? Yeah, of course. Ronnie, Ronnie started, uh, co-started Internet Solutions, solutions yeah. with David. Your David Frankel, yeah. Now, how is he related to you? It's quite complicated. But <laughs> my son-in-law's sister is married to David Frankel. <laughs> your son-in-law? My son-in-law, so my daughter Karen's husband, Brett, his sister, Tracy, is married to David Frankel. There we go. <laughs> so you're family. you family. <laughs> Yes, we family. <laughs> anyway, Ronnie. We go uh, Shabbos Friday night. Yeah. Ronnie wrote up. <laughs> he he, he uh, WhatsApp me and said, "Here's something to go and read," and I did. And I actually mm. didn't speak yeah. to him, uh, but he he did send a voice message, uh, and what he's going through in Ukraine. Now here's a guy, got all the money in the world, got a Ukrainian wife, Ukrainian baby, and he's in a car driving to the border of Poland to try and get out of that place as quickly as possible. And he says there are millions of people on the border who can't get out, and he certainly can't. And had he not spoken with a foreign accent, uh, he doesn't know what would have happened to him because all the, young, all the Ukrainian men who are trying to leave are put into the army in Ukraine. I mean, these are crazy times that are going on at the moment. But when you look at that, imagine, imagine a similar, you in a similar situation and what's your store of value? We heard the same from Trevor. Store of value in Zimbabwe, similar thing. What, what the theory tells you and what the practice tells you is different. So I think the whole geopolitical thing mm. now uh, also brings the focus on to remember Buffett said mm. the thing that he is most scared of in the world, do you remember? Cyber. Weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. He is most fearful that some idiot, mm. perhaps in Moscow, is going to trigger off a nuclear war. So if he's thinking about that, then it certainly isn't no risk. There we go. Tommy? Oh, sorry. Um, Tommy Crow. Um, David, I worked in the 90s um, for a Wall Street stockbroker in London. 
and I need a bit of advice from you. Um, I saw a lot of the dot-com stocks listing at the time, and I bought Amazon and Yahoo in particular right off the listing. And in a short time, maybe two years or 18 months, I got what we call the holy grail. I got a 10-bagger out of both, and, and I sold them. I had, I think, a couple of thousand dollars in each, and I thought it was very really clever. The dot-com bubble came, they all collapsed, and I thought it was very smart, and did nothing about it. And today, if I'd held both, or just held Amazon, yeah, it'd be two or three million dollars. How do you, yeah, how do you make that call when you get involved with a good company just to close your eyes and stick with it? And then the second thing, just on concentration, because you can't just hold one or two stocks forever. Not, not one or two, that's, that's what I try to, try to identify, is you've got to get on the right bus. And what the right bus is, you will only learn from time. You know, I think I love dominant businesses with lots of muscle. You know, Buffett used to call them fat companies. And I promise you, I, maybe Alec was there at the time, but I went to a lot of uh, Omaha uh, AGMs. I went there many, many times, and I took copious notes. You know, I took down everything that was said during the six or seven hours, and that. I still have those notes today. And I always remember Buffett, and I please, if I insult anybody, I'm quoting from Buffett. He said, what is, he says, I like to invest in fat companies. And he says, if you see a person standing in the door, doorway, and whether that person is 200 pounds or 300 pounds, it doesn't matter. They fat. No, not 200 pounds, David. Did he say more? No, no, he said 300 or <laughs> 320. <laughs> yes, Come on, okay. you're going to insult many people here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to bring down the weight of that. But so you've got to look for, for fat companies, you know, companies with plenty of muscle that can sustain the kind of issues that we're going through now. Also, again, look at what they're generating and what they're reinvesting to maintain their competitive edge. Very important. Companies like Nestle, you know, believe me, spend huge amounts. I'm going away from tech, huge amounts in maintaining those brands, and for me, that's so important, where you've got a dominant brand, it doesn't mean that that's going to be with you for life. I want to say that one of the biggest recoveries has been Coca-Cola, you know, who had a brand that went through a huge amount of trouble because of the uh, uh, attack on sugar, but they used their money, they used their brands, and have kind of reinvented themselves, as Pepsi did as well, you know, to become once again investable businesses as well. So you've got to look for those kind of businesses that can actually do that. But how do you know, the question Tommy had, mm. how do you know, like, let's say Amazon, there's a mm. brilliant mm. example. Mm. We all knew in the internet in the early days that Amazon was, was a phenomenon. Yep. The share price, though, collapsed 97%, I think. Mm. It dropped by 97% from the top of the dot-com bubble to the bottom. How do you know to stay with Amazon, which is, if he'd done that, it would have been millions of dollars now you've that got, it would you've have You've got to be forward-looking as well. You know, what's, what, what but theme? But 97%. I know. No, I know. Look, at that stage, it was madness and that. But, I mean, you've got to, you've got to understand. That, look, they made their money from web services. You know, that's where the money's made today is, is really on those kind of areas. So you've got to be familiar with the businesses. You know, you can't just, oh, this week I'm going to, you know, you've got to follow those through through their cycles, and also be aware of what lies ahead. What's happening at the moment? You know, where are those kids spending their money? You know, where is everybody spending their money? 
and and from my point of view, that's that's you you, you know you've got to be understand what's happening in the in the broader world, what you know what the themes are that are going to um, you know unfold. Electric cars, big theme. How can I make take advantage? Um, cloud, is it in its infancy or are we at the end of it? No. Is Amazon, Amazon still well positioned to benefit from the web? I look at Amazon, you know, they, they, I, I go to New York quite often as well. I'm absolutely knocked out by those trucks that you see every day. And this is something to see when you look at e-commerce in practice. You know, you, you phone up Whole Foods now, they will deliver the same as checkers within an hour, uh, hour or so something. You've got a chap probably from <laughs> the Latina countries because they're the only people who would do this kind of work on a, on a bicycle, etc., carrying a cart there with all the packages, you know, Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime, Whole Foods, etc. But, uh, you know, it's a phenomenal country, a company, but you've got to keep watching where it's going. Is it still relevant? In, in the kind of things but, that But just are. look at Apple, mm. uh, the most recent Apple results. Brilliant. Year no. on year growth, 35%. So to me, it's, it's, it's a little more simple. I have a look at their growth rates and the sustainable growth rates, and then I'll do the most difficult thing in the world, which is actually put it into a spreadsheet and look into the future at that growth rate and believe what my homework tells me. Because the intrinsic value of an exponentially growing company is usually, it's so mind-blowing mm. that it's hard to actually believe it and then to stay with it. And that's the only thing that keeps me sane. When, when, uh, when the, the tech collapse came in, in earlier in, in this year, and I look, I mean, the one day, on the, we had a webinar the one night, Dave, how's mm. this for bad, bad timing? <laughs> um, we put a little more from our global portfolio into Netflix mm. that night the financial results came out that shares dropped 25%. Mm. So it happens. And is there the reason that, that you invested in Netflix, is it because you're trying to plumb the bottom? Or is it because you believe in the long-term strategy of the company? If you believe in the long-term and you can actually understand what Reed Hastings is going through his mind because you've watched enough videos on their quarterly reports to see where they're trying to take it, and you still believe that they're on the same track, well, then, then you shouldn't really worry about the 25% <laughs> down, <laughs> apart from thinking, damn it, I could have got 25% more for my money in that case. It's, a, it's, it's, th it's a almost mm. an art and a mm. science, isn't it? Mm. No, it, it is. And you've, you've got to make up your, your mind. You know, Netflix now, and, and I'm funny enough, I'm not in Netflix. I've got Disney. But um, Netflix... What I like about them, just think what they are doing to the entertainment industry without them. You know, the amount of money that they have plowed back, giving actors jobs, producers jobs, all of that eventually comes back to them. But it's global. Mm. They're getting a Korean mm. production mm. and taking it into the world. Mm. Mm. They're getting mm. productions from all over the world and actually exposing them to new markets. And that is, it's a bit like Apple. When mm. we bought into Apple in our portfolio, the whole idea was because our company is just full of apples. Everything we do is apple. There's an ecosystem. Apple's if number two in Buffett. You know that. Number two. Number one. No, well, he Way. calls it his insurance. He says these are the four big ones: his insurance companies. Oh, sorry. Oh, apple. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. BNSF, which is a railway. He says he's the biggest yeah. infrastructure yeah. business in America, and then 
the electric, no, uh, the uh, utilities, uh, the Yeah, apologies. Energy. In his portfolio, mm. uh, invested ah, yeah. is by far the biggest now. And he never, ever used to invest in tech. Mm. And now he's got Apple. Anyway, uh, one last question for David. And there we go, Clive. Oh, right here. JP? Hello, my name is JP. I want to be a little bit facetious, um, but also serious in the sense that I think there's a lot of retail investors here. Um, David, will you pay Pitfullion 2% to manage your money? I, I, you know, when I pay Pit, Pit's brilliant. And Pit knows we're running a competition called the Crystal Challenge 2022. And what I got is, uh, I started off last year with 15 chaps, you know, just which included Pit. Pit got a bottle of champagne. He was, he was brilliant. He was, he was outgunned by Betsy. Now, what is Betsy? <laughs> Betsy is a pianist in Pretoria. Uh, she's an amateur. She did better than Pitt. So I'm trying to decide whether to pay Betsy 2% or whether to buy Pitt 2%. But Pitt's... <laughs> when you see what he buys, you know, full credit to him. And uh, I love Pitt's approach to investment. And I say it... Uh, you know, I, he, he's, he's a very, very smart man. And we have this challenge again this, this year. We've got 75 competitors. Bits up there with Rebosis, with, uh, with APSA, whatever it is. You know, way ahead of the pack in just two months as well. So I think that he's, he's got a very smart, a very smart mind, and he knows which businesses. You know, it's... I, and Sorry, where's Betsy? Uh, Betsy, no, Betsy, Betsy's there. She's, uh, Betsy's still, she's doing okay as well. You know, she was in Renogen and uh, a couple of others that, that got purple. Purple was the big one last year as well. So, but I mean, Betsy, Betsy did brilliantly. But I think there are a couple of people that I admire, you know, Pitt. I think there's Keith McLaughlin and a lot of chaps like that for retail investors. If you want to go into, you know, in, into those areas, I, th you know, really, and, and, what I like about it is it's not index tracking, it's not products, it's not ETFs, etc. It's uh, he's picking out those individual businesses that have you know they're really going to do blow the and and what's credible the results that we've got in two months, Alec, are just stupendous. You know, there's 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 chaps up in and and, and what you know we we share on Twitter, we share all the views and we, and everybody comments as well. But uh, don't underestimate no, it. That's all I'm saying to but you. But for David, long term is like how long? 10 minutes? 10 minutes, 15 yeah, minutes. 15 yeah. minutes. So <laughs> Twitter competition. <laughs> Our competition <laughs> is a five-year competition yeah, no. where JP has, oh. given, JP has given half a million rand to Pitt and half a million rand to Magnus. And over the next five years, he's going to compare how the two of them perform. So he's literally paying the 2% to Pitt. That's so true. it didn't come as a as a question of, oh, what's this theoretically? He wants to know if you think that he's, he's getting 2% worth of value. And I guess, JP, so far, so good, hey? You happy with Pitt? <laughs> Magnus will be here in August, and you can tackle him on that one. Brilliant. Well, David, it, it has, as always, <laughs> been great fun and, and wonderful insights. Thank you very much for, for coming here, for bringing Linda, and for sharing your wisdom with us, which we never, ever take for granted. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs>